0: The Michigan Senate this week ratified an initiative petition that expunged the law that Governor Gretchen Whitmer used to issue her unilateral mandates for the past year and a half. And the executive director of the Michigan Republican Party... Jason Rowe resigned after only five months on the job, but not for the reasons the lamestream news media implied. So how bad a governor is Gretchen Whitmer? Let's just say what everyone with a memory or knowledge of Michigan's past already knows. She's historically bad. In fact, She's the worst Michigan governor since World War II, with the possible exception of Republican Kim Sigler, who served a single term before getting knocked off by Democrat G. Menon Soapy Williams in 1948. And that's not because of Whitmer's handling of the state's response to the interminable COVID-19 pandemic, although surely she has mismanaged that, whether her policies saved lives? We will never know. But she certainly has destroyed businesses, damaged public education, ruined people's livelihoods, and injured their physical and mental health. The recent Wallet Hub report out of Washington, D.C., documented this as well as any study done so far. It ranked Michigan dead last out of 50 states and the District of Columbia, in how well we have emerged from our war with the coronavirus. It didn't have to be this bad. The incoherence, unpredictability, and internal contradictions of Whitmer's unilateral mandates have been apparent to all, even while she did not follow her own edicts. Michiganders learned that she doesn't abide by the same arbitrary rules she's imposed on every resident of Michigan. She shunned masks when she's with her friends. She was caught red-handed violating her own social distancing guidelines. She ordered us not to travel, not to see our families, not to leave our homes, only to hop on a private jet and fly down in secret to Florida to visit with her supposedly ailing father, the well-known retired insurance executive, Dick Whitmer. After trying to cover up her Florida junket, Whitmer refused to answer the most basic questions about it. She wouldn't tell us when she left, when she returned, how she got there, or most importantly, who paid for her trip. The reluctant news media, which wanted to protect her, finally was embarrassed into digging up the truth. That didn't look pretty either. Of course, Whitmer is a woman, and some of her apologists contend that any criticism of the governor is rank misogyny. But compared with Whitmer, Jennifer Granholm was a combination of Winston Churchill and Joan of Arc. Ironically, Granholm did better with a far worse hand than Whitmer. Granholm inherited a bad Michigan economy, and it never got better than mediocre before it disintegrated completely in the 2008 to 2010 Great Recession. But even though she had far less government experience than Whitmer, Granholm had a better temperament, and she didn't come into office with a chip on her shoulder, embittered, as Whitmer was, by 14 years in a legislative minority. Whitmer never learned how to be a legislator. Instead, she carved out a niche as a bomb thrower, aiming a steady stream of invective at her Republican opposition. Whitmer sponsored only three bills that became law during her tenure. So ever since she became governor, she has unleashed a revenge tour Fact is, Whitmer hasn't handled much of anything with competence. She is she was dragged kicking and screaming to a deal with the legislature on auto insurance rate reform. She mishandled her negotiations with the state house and senate on the 2019-20 budget, and then she set an all-time record for line-item vetoes that wreaked havoc with state government finances for six months or so afterwards. She also transferred appropriations between departments in unprecedented fashion, extending executive privilege as it has never intended and has only done long-term damage. Angry that the Republican majority in the legislature wouldn't negotiate with her In raising the state's gasoline tax, which she swore in her 2018 campaign she would not do, at least by 45 cents a gallon, she undertook to rack up millions of dollars in debt by floating bonds to fix the damn roads without legislative input. Without warning, she continues a steady stream of vetoes, even on bills with almost unanimous Democratic legislative support she did it again this week line five in the Straits of Mackinac Whitmer has taken a nebulous situation and made it worse criminal prosecutions in the Flint water crisis the governor and her attorney general sidekick Dana Nessel are screwing the pooch there too and has any governor expressed less interest in the state's economy than Whitmer that's been a key component of every Michigan governor's agenda during the past sec- six decades. Nobody can forget Jim Blanchard's mantra of jobs, 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 but from Whitmer, crickets. But clearly Whitmer has been luckier than good. She's being bailed out now by waves of anti-COVID stimulus money from Washington that should solve the state's fiscal problems for years to come, unless she bungles that, too. And she's been fortunate in her enemies. First, Donald Trump, whose long-running unpopularity in Michigan after his narrow 2016 surprise win provided a perfect foil for Whitmer. This governor does best playing off perceived antagonists, whether they are legislative Republicans, or a bombastic polarizing politician like Trump who delighted in giving Whitmer as good as he got. But now Trump is gone, and she cannot use his obstruction or incompetence in the White House as an excuse for her own failings. Now she seems to have gotten a second break, the nature of her Republican opposition, if or when she seeks re-election next year the record number of faceless Republicans lining up to take on Whitmer, whether they're somewhat well-known names like James Craig or Mike Cox or zeros on the voter ID scorecard like Tudor Dixon, Kevin Rinke, Ryan Kelly, Garrett Soldano, Ralph Rebant, Austin Chenge, Evan Space and Bob Scott, remind us to paraphrase the old Ronald Reagan joke, which was, quote, there must be a pony in there somewhere, unquote. You know the joke I'm talking about. In other words, a credible, well-rounded GOP nominee with some financial resources. But there is no George Romney or John Engler or even Rick Snyder in sight in this group. And no incumbent governor in Michigan history of either major party has ever been defeated when seeking election to a second four-year term. So even though she doesn't deserve it, Whitmer is almost a lock to be reelected next year. I'll be back in a minute with our first guest. I could say much more about Gretchen Whitmer, but I think you get the idea of what I think. We'll be back in a minute with our first guest. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We have returned, and we are very fortunate to have with us on the line Representative Abraham Ayash, and he is a Democrat from the 4th House District, which I believe encompasses Hamtramck and part of the city of Detroit. Is that correct, Representative Abraham Ayash? Yes, Okay, I really appreciate your being on uh, the show. You, uh, as a freshman, I guess, uh, requested to be appointed uh to the natural resources and outdoor recreation committee you got it i gotta tell you back in the uh, paleolithic era uh over 50 years ago when i was a freshman like you (laughs) i requested to be on the forerunner to your committee which was then called conservation recreation and i got it and i was on it but we didn't have a wolf controversy i think you're also on uh Uh, Communications and Technology Committee, but that's another subject. So I'm just going to ask you, uh, you and your colleague, Representative Bill Sowerby, who we had on the program a couple of weeks ago, and he's the ranking Democrat on the committee, you guys introduced a couple of bills. Yours, I think, was House Bill 5078, and uh, it would add some members to the Wildlife Commission, the Michigan Wildlife Commission, and the Wolf Management Advisory Council to represent the viewpoints of wildlife scientists, conservationists, and Native American tribes. Why did you feel this was an important thing to do?
1: Well, look, I think it's incredibly important that we understand that the basis of any good government is discourse. Uh, Discourse meaning there are two sides with different perspectives that engage in thoughtful intellectual debate uh, on particular issues. And in this situation, we have a scenario that we have a wildlife council that's Predominantly leaning towards One perspective and it creates an Echo chamber and as we talk about The concerns of I know you know been murmurs about a wolf hunt and the wolf Population it's important that we're having Folks at the table that have different Perspectives rooted in science that Have different perspectives rooted in uh, Michigan's heritage uh, with Our indigenous communities and that They're also a part of that discussion so that We can find an opportunity for Us to say how can we look at Addressing the issue of the wolf population and, and whether or not a wolf hunt makes sense. And if it does, how can we do it while being responsible stewards of Michigan's ecology?
0: Yeah, I think when you and Representative Sowerby had your press conference, when you announced uh, these bills, you also had somebody from the Humane Society of the United States and also a Michigan Native American caucus member and the Michigan League of Conservation Voters representative. They They support your effort, right? Yes. And, Correct. And, and I,
1: I think
0: it's good no I, I was just going to ask you your it was is it your bill or is it uh representative Sowerby's bill that would sh- make sure that whoever the Native American representative is on the commission or council it has to be from a Michigan tribe I mean unbelievably uh the language in the law right now allows somebody from an Indian tribe to be appointed, but it doesn't say they have to be from Michigan. And the one that's on is from Wisconsin. I mean, at least, don't you think there's a good chance the committee would take up one or both of your bills just to address that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, my bill uh, includes that, that provision that we have a member from a Michigan tribe um, it, because we have 12 of them, right? So there's no excuse that we are – and I got nothing – no no trouble with my folks in, in, in Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a great state. But <laughs> it's important that we have people from Michigan that are dealing with Michigan issues. And uh, for the Anishinaabe conf, uh, tribes, you know, they – have a, a spiritual connection to the wolf right a wolf is one of their spiritual animals so it's important that we take these con- these considerations and these factors as we have this conversation and it's just important to have the people that have this perspective you know we don't ask Canada to deal to address our issues here uh on our side of the state uh we want people from Michigan to address the issues so why not try to get folks from Michigan uh when we like I said we have twelve tribes five, 12 tribal nations, rather, we need to get one of those folks on that committee so that they can bring their perspective uh, to enhance the discussion.
0: On this committee, uh, do you get the feeling, uh, I'm talking about your Natural Resources Outdoor Recreation Committee, that people on that committee, by and large, favor the idea of having a wolf hunt in Michigan, again, for the first time, I think it would be in eight years if we had one. Um, and how do you feel about that, and do you think that the Wolf Management Advisory Council and or the Michigan Wildlife Commission can make a difference in determining whether there's going to be a hunt or not?
1: So, um, you know, the only person who's uh, brought it up in committee <laughs> is uh, my, my my good bud, uh, Bo LaFave, but other than that, you know, we haven't had an opportunity to have this discussion uh, in, in depth. What I will say is, I don't know yet, which is exactly why I'm asking for more experts to be added to these commissions and, and Reps and I, because we want more experts to give us their insight before I make a, or give an, an opinion on this matter. Uh, I think it's incredibly important that when we have these when we have a presentation or when we have uh, an assessment about what should and shouldn't be done, that you have different perspectives so that we can make the best decision based on all the facts and data, which is why we're asking for scientists to be on this council and this commission. And then we can make a decision. So right now, honestly, what I could tell you, Bill, I don't know. And that's totally okay because we're trying to get experts to help us make that decision. And then we can go ahead and make an assessment.
0: I think the chairman of your committee is Representative Gary Howell, who's a Republican from Lapeer County. Have you talked to him at all about taking up the bills?
1: Uh, n- not yet. Uh, we had committee briefly for one day uh, since we introduced it to the bill. But what I can tell you is Gary is uh, somebody who respects the fidelity of, of the institution. Um, he's someone who I think is very reasonable. And uh, I'm comfortable having that conversation with him, no doubt.
0: Well, switching gears a little bit, I mean, you've been involved in some other things in the legislature. What is the Halima Project or Halima project. I think you have been affiliated with that. That's not necessarily connected to the legislature, but it's a passion of yours, right? What is it?
1: Yeah. So the Halima project uh, was developed after the 2016 uh, election, where we had a lot of folks that were coming into this country, partic- particularly the refugees in, in, in the Lansing area. There's a large influx of, of refugees. Who were coming into the United States at a time where they were told that America was uh, not a place that was for them and things of that nature. So the idea was, how do we make sure that these folks that are coming in from East and West Africa, from South Asia, from the Middle East, from all across the world, uh, can come into this country and be proud of their heritage, but also uh, begin to integrate into the United States uh, in a way that's seamless that gives them the confidence can you talk about young kids coming into this country and they're hearing all these things about what's going on in, in america it's just giving them an opportunity and mentorship to say you know you can be proud of who you are and also be proud that you are in the greatest country uh in the history of, of, of the world, and, and really giving them that opportunity in that space to grow and get mentorship so that they can um, easily acclimate into the United States of America. So that program started in 2016. We started off with 10 kids, refugee kids, and now we're all up to 50 kids a
0: year. Wow, that's great. Well, Representative uh, Abraham Ayash, I wanted to ask you more questions, particularly about your fourth house district. Uh, its ethnic composition, I think you got probably a lot of people would be affected by that. But listen, we'll get you back. And thank you so much for being our guest, Representative Abraham Ayash, Democrat from Hamtramck, part of the city of Detroit, fourth house district for being our guest. Thank you for having me, Bill. We'll be back in a minute with another guest. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We are back, and we are very lucky to have with us on the line Representative Bo LaFave, Republican of Iron Mountain, who represents the 108th House District, and that encompasses Dickinson, Menominee, and Delta counties in the Upper Peninsula. Welcome to The Political Insider once again, Representative Bo LaFave. Bill, it's always
2: such a pleasure. Thank you very much for the privilege, sir.
0: Well, I want to ask you about wolves. I I realize there are probably more burning issues uh, in your district and in the UP than that, but it's a constant source of controversy, uh, wolves and whether there should be another wolf hunt. Uh, Let me ask you, first of all, are there wolves in the 108th House District?
2: Oh, absolutely. There's hundreds of them. Um, and they kill livestock, uh, dogs. Uh, they threaten people and their children. Um, and uh, they they need to be managed properly, just like every other wild species.
0: Well, do you think that uh, they can be controlled by means other than a hunt? For instance, there's a farmer over in the eastern UP who uses guard donkeys i had never heard of such a thing uh but guard donkeys apparently uh really hate uh canines uh carnivores and they scare the they necessarily scare the wolves off but they warn uh the farmer and the uh cattle or sheep or whatever that there are wolves around and uh the farmer claims since he started using two guard donkeys that he's not had any problems. So uh, the environmentalists, uh, humane society, the Indian tribes, uh, conservation voters, the people who support uh, trying to uh, protect the wolf from a hunt, they think this is the way to go. What do you think? Have you heard about that, guard donkeys? Uh,
2: Yeah, no, I haven't heard about that. And the tribes (laughs) in the UP um, would like to manage that properly. But here's the problem with using guard donkeys in the UP. We don't have that many Democrats up here, so that's not going to (laughs) work.
0: Well, do you think there should be another wolf hunt? You say you've got hundreds of them in your district, and you're only one of about four, five districts at most in the UP. Uh, Supposedly, there are only 700 wolves left in the UP, in the entire UP. Do you think that's an undercount? There are a lot more than that?
2: Yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. There's probably five times that. Uh, I've got the smallest house district in the Upper Peninsula and the most heavily populated um, by density. Uh, That's why it's the smallest. Uh, uh, And so if I've got a bunch of wolves, everybody else has more. And, yeah, we need a wolf hunt. And it's very frustrating that Democrats in southern Michigan not only refuse to let the UP have a wolf hunt, But then when I suggest that, hey, we've got these majestic, wonderful creatures that you guys love so much, I would love to give you some free of charge, they scream and howl and run away (laughs) for the hills. So what happened is we killed all of them south of the Mackinac Bridge, every frickin' one of them, and extincted them. And the UP had a few, I guess, and they repopulated And the government said, oh, well, you know, that wasn't very nice. We shouldn't have done that. We need to have X number of wolves in the state of Michigan. And they keep looking at the number of wolves in the UP and say, well, that's not enough wolves for the state of Michigan. And the UPers (laughs) go, yeah, we're 3% of the population of the state. We shouldn't be responsible for 100% of the wolves. And lower Michigan goes, yeah, we don't want them in our backyard. You deal with them killing your cattle and threatening your dogs and threatening your children. We don't want them in Southern Michigan, and then refuse to let us manage them properly like they get to with their coyotes. It's absolutely hypocritical and and craziness. But what do you expect from Democrats? If the Democrats (laughs) didn't have double standards, they don't have no standards at all.
0: (laughs) Well, let me ask you, uh, Representative Bill Sowerby, who's the ranking Democrat on the House Natural Resources and Outdoor Recreation Committee, on which you sit— Uh, And his colleague, Abraham Ayash, who's a Democrat from Hamtramck, who we just had on the program in the segment before this one, uh, they've introduced a couple of bills that would add members to the Wolf Management Advisory Council, the Michigan Wildlife Commission uh, to represent the viewpoints of wildlife scientists, conservationists, and Native American tribes. I take it you don't think that would be a good idea.
2: Um, I have no problem with having more Native American tribe members on the council. Here's the problem is they're using it as an alternative to the Senator McBroom bill, which says, hey, we don't have wolves in lower Michigan. There's no wolf problem in lower Michigan, except for the fact that they murdered all of them and they should probably get some. So until we bring wolves to lower Michigan – we're going to have the advisory council that has no impact on law, and they can't make law. They just make recommendations. It's going to have only upers on it until you guys get some. And they're using this as an alternative. Happy to look at it, but it's quite insulting that lower Michigan Democrats in the Senate and the members in the House have said that upers are not capable of working on this wolf issue. And it's it's rather insulting. and uh, So, no, those bills will not pass.
0: Well, uh, let me ask you about the Wildlife Commission. There's one thing in there that I would think you could support. I mean, the bill could be taken up, and just this part of it uh, could be implemented, cut out uh, the additional members and everything else. And that is that one of the members of the commission has to be from a Native American tribe. And so uh, what has happened is, The uh, governor apparently, uh, you know, has appointed somebody from a Wisconsin tribe. There's somebody on a Michigan commission from Wisconsin. They're not even from Michigan. Shouldn't that be changed to mandate that the tribal member ought to be from a Michigan tribe?
2: Uh, Yeah, I I actually (laughs) didn't know that, Bill. Um, But that doesn't surprise me. Uh, Governor Whitmer probably doesn't know uh, the
0: difference. so. Well, uh, there were 2 refer- a long time since she's been in the UP. Well, that's, Let's put it that way. that's probably true. There were two... She ref- made
2: it out to D.C. She's made it out to Florida, but the UP <laughs> is just too far <laughs> away for her.
0: Well, that brings me to Line 5, talking about the UP under the Straits of Mackinac. What's going on there, and uh, how do you think that's going to turn out?
2: Well, we've got a... Pipeline 5, just to make sure the viewers remember, is a... A tunnel that's going to connect the UP and the low P, or the UP and the lower peninsula, for the energy needs of the state. And sinisterly, uh, when we get this thing finished, I'm going to leave both opens, uh, both ends of the tunnel open, uh, throw some raw meat in there, and see if I can get you some of them wolves.
0: <laughs> well, okay. Is the UP really concerned that Line Five is going to get shut down?
2: Oh, absolutely we are. I mean, I wasn't all that concerned when the governor started getting involved and started suing because she doesn't have a leg to stand on in court. Her lawsuits are specious. I mean, they they, they have no real good chance in court at all. Um, but then Joe Biden got elected, and now he's getting the Army Corps involved. When it was just Governor Whitmer all alone with Dana Natho fighting canada international treaties state law public polling at large wasn't going to happen but now that joe biden is president and is is fighting with the army corps she's got a real shot
0: what about the tunnel that uh, governor rick snyder uh, put in motion although nothing has started in terms of construction do you think that's ever going to get built and could that be the solution
2: Oh yes, it's absolutely the solution The environmentalists demanded that they have double walls or nothing at all So that's what the Michigan legislature voted for and gave them They gave them a double wall Concrete, thick walls, a thousand feet under the bed hundred feet under the bedrock Double wall That's what they asked for That's signed into law And um, they're on track to get it done Ahead of schedule Governor Whitmer just got to stop dragging her feet And they protect the, the environment much quicker
0: Wow. Well, listen, you've given us a great overview, not only on the Wolf situation in the Upper Peninsula, but on Line 5 from the UP perspective. Thank you so much, Representative Bo LeFave, Republican of Iron Mountain, who represents the 108th House District. Thank you, Representative LeFevre, for being our guest. Sir, thank you so much. This is MDN. And you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We have returned, and we are fortunate to have on the other line with us, Sophia Kalakaylo, And she is a reporter for Bridge Michigan Online Magazine. Thank you for being our guest, Sophia Kalakaylo. Thank you for having me. Well, Sophia and her colleague Kelly House wrote a very interesting and thorough article on wolf management in the upper peninsula. And I just like to start out by asking her, I believe there was uh two state, uh, wide ballot proposals. I think it was in 2014 referenda on whether or not Michigan should have another wolf hunt. Uh, there was one in 2013, uh, for the first time in years, I think 23 wolves were killed at that time. And, uh, The people of Michigan in uh, voting uh, seven years ago said, no way, we don't want another wolf hunt. We think wolves should be protected. And yet, as I understand it right now, there is the possibility uh, being debated uh, in the natural resources department and elsewhere about whether we should have another wolf hunt. And I'd like to ask you, Sophia, what's the context in which this decision is being made and why has this resurfaced again?
3: Yeah, so there's a lot of debate around um, how many wolves should be in the UP right now. The DNR, at last count, put it at 700. Um, And the wolves' federal legal status has changed six times since 2008, um, making like brief windows of time where it was legal to kill wolves. Um, One of the times you mentioned was in 2013 where 23 wolves were killed. And so right now, wolves don't have any federal protections um, since the Trump administration took them off the endangered species list. And so the only time it's legal to kill wolves right now is if they're in the act of killing or wounding livestock and dogs. Um, It's also legal for people, but there's never been a documented wolf attack on a person in Michigan. Um, And so the Natural Resources Commission is a politically appointed body that includes three Republicans, three Democrats, and one Independent, and that's all that's needed to um, establish a hunt. And uh, state wildlife managers in the Department of Natural Resources say the decision on whether to hunt wolves should only come after the state updates its wolf management plan. Um, and the wolf management plan isn't like a regulatory document. Um, it's just a tool used by the DNR and the Natural Researchers Commission to decide how, what Michigan should do about wolves. And whether to hunt them. So, with this, um, so the body that uh, shapes this wolf management plan is called the Wolf Management Advisory Council. And everybody, all different sides, are saying that it's skewed um, out of their favor. And so there's wolf advocates suing the agency, saying that, um, suing the DNR, saying that this council was stacked. In the favor of a wolf hunt and then Native American leaders say that the DNR's decision to appoint a Wisconsin resident instead of a Michigan resident um, wasn't a good decision and then some UP residents um, namely uh, Senator Ed McBroom who sponsored a bill trying to make this Wolf Advisory Council only made up of UP residents say that it's not fair that downstaters are even a part of the decision because there are no wolves in the lower peninsula. So the next, um, so it's going to take a while to get really all of those steps done to even start talking about a wolf. date. So the next, so the wolf management plan update by itself, and that's like one of the first steps is expected to take until next June. So it's on the table, but it's definitely going to take a while, it seems like.
0: you think the DNR will hold off making a decision on whether to have any kind of a wolf hunt until at least next year, if not later?
3: Well, when I talked to a state wildlife biologist, um, he was saying that there's just a lot of steps they have to take before they can even start talking about that, including, like, consulting with the 12 federally recognized tribes in Michigan and of course updating that wolf management plan and that is supposed to take a while of course. So um, I do think that it, that it's going to take a while because um, that wolf management plan by itself hasn't even been updated yet. Yeah, and go- with that lawsuit going on, with that lawsuit going on, it's like, um, against the, the council that shapes that, that plan, that's going to take even longer. I mean, the Wolf Management Advisory Council doesn't even have any meetings scheduled right now. So it's really unclear about like when this is going to this plan is going to start being shaped.
0: Yeah, we're talking to uh, Sophia Kalakaylo, and she is with uh, Bridge Michigan Magazine. Uh, I want to ask you, Sophia, uh, a couple of Democratic state representatives on the House Natural Resources and Outdoor Recreation Committee, Representative Bill Sowerby, Representative Abraham Ayash, have introduced bills that would add members to this Wolf Management Advisory Council and to the Michigan Wildlife Commission to represent the viewpoints of wildlife scientists, conservationists, and Native American tribes. Do you think that's a good idea if those bills could be successful? And even if they get through the legislature and are signed by the governor, would they take effect in time to have any impact on the DNR's uh, decision on a wolf hunt?
3: Well, I think that the Wolf Advisory Management Council um, does have a pretty uh, good amount of impact on this decision, um, even if they're not a decision-making body, and obviously the Natural Resources Commission is ultimately uh, the body that makes that decision. Um, and I have talked to some people on the Wolf Advisory Council, and some of them are like, yeah, um, it would be fine to have more members, and that it's it has been bigger in the past. It's only six people right now, and it's been bigger in the past, so I don't know that it's like necessarily something that's unprecedented unprecedented or um even that uh drastically changing. But
0: um Yeah well let me, yeah, let, let I, me mean, just, I
3: think that it can easily
0: let me ask you this. Uh, people like uh Representative Ayash and Representative Sowerby contend that this uh Wolf Management Advisory Council is stacked uh, <clears throat> With downstaters, meaning below the bridge, uh, wolf advocates, uh, people who want to protect the wolf, tribes, the Native American tribes, and scientists. And they uh, they want to, uh, you know, make sure that there are people like that on the uh, council, whereas right now the council is really stacked with youpers and hunters and farmers and uh people that, you know, favor the opposite policy. Yeah,
3: I think that's like um, something interesting about this debate is that all the sides really feel like um, the odds are stacked against their point of view. Um, And that's definitely reflected in this debate over this Wolf Advisory Management Council um, you know, there's that lawsuit that's saying, oh, it's stacked with pro hunters and we need more environmentalists from the, I think it's, it's 06 legacy. And um, then, of course, the tribal leaders are saying, you know, it's not fair that the only tribal member you appointed is from Wisconsin when they're shaping Miss, Michigan policy. And, um, and of course, with the bill that, Passed the Senate, um, and it's awaiting uh,
0: House action. Yeah, passed the Senate, and making an all-up panel.
3: Yeah, yeah. So really, everybody's saying that this wolf management council is stacked against their point of view, Um, you know. And so, I think that there's going to be a lot of debate around what this. Wolf Management Advisory Council is going to look like. I mean, I did talk to one member who was like, Yeah, go ahead and add more members. But she didn't, she obviously was on the council. So she wasn't necessarily like all for
0: getting rid
3: of everybody on the council.
0: Yeah, listen, we're out of time. I wish I could uh, talk to you more. I want to ask you about guard donkeys. And also, uh, you know, taking wolves up to Isle Royale where they're really needed up there uh, to keep the moose population under control. Maybe that's the way to get rid of wolves in the UP. Just take them to Isle Royale. So, <laughs> you know, listen, I want to thank you very much, Sophia Kalakaylo of Bridge Michigan Magazine for being our guest and giving us a rundown on the politics of wolf management in the Upper Peninsula. Thank you, Sophia Thank
3: you for having me.
0: We'll be back next week with still more.